Welcome. It's good to see your smiling faces this morning. And welcome to those who are joining us on Zoom or later online. So glad to have you with us this morning. I want to share uh, maybe not one of my favorite little stories with you this morning. We've moved quite a few times in our lives. I think my daughter lived uh, five places in the first six years she was alive, kind of like a military family. But um, we're moving one particular time, and uh, oh, I just love to move, just love to pack boxes full of stuff. And I had put our washer and dryer in the back of somebody's pickup. I don't even remember who it was. And I wedged it all in there tight. And my wife came to me, as, as wives often do, and says, you know, you probably want to strap those down. I said, no, no, it's wedged in there tight. Nothing is going to happen to that washer and dryer. And, well, some of you are reading ahead in the story, aren't you? So we went over some railroad tracks and ended up with a big, wonderful dent. One of those, I don't remember which one it was, the washer or dryer, but the point of it is that there was wisdom that was available to me. But what did I do with it? I turned away from it. Now, we're continuing in our series in the book of Proverbs, Living Your Best Life. And the book of Proverbs, as we move on here, is going to speak about wisdom in general. The book of wisdom is going to talk about wisdom in general, what we do with it. And my microphone hasn't been on. There it is. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning at verse 20. It says this, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. Father, would you speak to us today? Would you... Make your word clear to us. Talk to our hearts, Lord, as only you can. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, your awesome name. So wisdom here is portrayed, uh, as we see in literature sometimes, as having human characteristics. How many remember from English class what that's called? I know Alex does, the English major. Personification heard that somewhere, right? Um, something, an inanimate object or, or something given human characteristics, right? So wisdom here is personified as someone who speaks, someone who cries out. But there's more here than meets the eye. Um, it's not just anyone who is speaking. The Lord through Solomon creates a very specific picture in order to communicate uh, some very important concepts here. Now, one of the most important um, aspects of the interpretation of Scripture, uh, or really of any writing, is historical context. Okay? Who is this written to and when? How would the original audience have understood this? Right? Because then we know what the original author wanted to communicate, right? 
For example, Jesus told a whole lot of parables and stories about farming, didn't he? Why? Because he was walking amongst an agrarian culture. I can imagine if he was uh, alive in the time in the late 1800s at the coal miners in West Virginia, a lot of his parables and stories would have been a lot different, right? His verbiage would have been uh, a whole lot different. So the New Bible Commentary says this. It says, verse 20 and 21 personify wisdom as a woman prophet preaching in the places where people gather in the city in a way to which Israel would have been accustomed. So God is speaking through Solomon to Israel, and he's painting this picture of a prophet, right? Now, why did he choose that? Why is that important? Because of what the ancient Israelites knew about prophets and prophecy. So because wisdom is likened to that, then it follows that some of those characteristics are going to carry over. For example, a prophet came from God, right? God sent his prophets to the people speaking truth from God. A prophet spoke to all the people. It says here, in the marketplace, in the busy streets, right? Prophecy was available so that everyone could hear what God wanted to say. A prophet gave valuable warnings and directions to guide the whole society. Okay, They would speak to the leaders there in the city gates. That's where the leaders would congregate, in the gates of the city. So they wanted to give direction to the whole of society so everyone could benefit from what God was telling them. And history also, if you were an Israelite, would have shown you over and over and over that listening to the prophet brought blessing and ignoring them or opposing them brought destruction. So, go figure, these same things then can be said about wisdom. True wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is for anybody and everybody. And number three, we'd better pay attention to it if we know what's good for us, right? But I also want you to see this. When it comes to prophets, God in his faithfulness, when his people got off track, he sent them prophets. He didn't just turn his head and let his people crash and burn, did he? No, he sent them prophets. He sent them his word. He sent them his direction. He sent them his warnings over and over and over again. Right? Even though they weren't doing the right things, even though they were opposing him at times, being unfaithful to him, right? God didn't want them to crash and burn. He doesn't want us now to flounder through life. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to avoid trouble. He wants us to thrive. He is a loving God. Amen? So, God likewise makes his wisdom available to us. If I can put a point one on this. Wisdom is available. It's available in life to us, right? Number one, through God's word, especially. We're, we're focusing on that here in Proverbs. Through his word, wisdom is available to us. Through godly leaders and teachers, through parents and mentors, through life experience, whether, whether ours or others, right? Wisdom is available to us. God wants us 
to succeed. So like a prophetess here, uh, wisdom, it says, cries out in the streets, in the market. She raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. This, is, this isn't somebody just meandering in, and, and maybe it's there, maybe it's no. It's available, right? Wisdom is available. And what is she saying? What is prof, the prophetess here saying? Look at verse 22. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? There's three types of people mentioned here that all have one thing in common. They all have a habit of turning away from wisdom. Turning away from wisdom. And these are the ones that wisdom is especially trying to reach. Right? Raising her voice to reach these because, again, God loves the human beings He created. He wants us to live our best life. So, wisdom here is calling out all the more loudly to these three. And I want to look at these three types of people this morning. But as we do, it's going to be very important for us not to just look at them and say, okay, that's them. That's them, the simple, the scoffer, the fool. Okay, that's, that's them, and they're, they're going to they're have bad times, and they're going to do this. Because I think it's, at least in my life, it's important for me to look at myself and say, have I been this at times? Are there circumstances where I lean in one of these directions? So then what can I learn from this? Uh, like me in the opening illustration, okay? scoffing at the advice that my wife gave me, the good advice. Ha! I got this. Right? I, I, I hear that when I hear scoffers. Ha! Right? I don't, I, I, I don't need to strap those down. I got this. Right? What's the root of that? What's the root of it? It's pride, isn't it? And what does the Bible show us over and over and over about pride? Right? Hmm. Goes before a fall, goes before destruction. It's an attitude that is ultimately not good for us, ultimately destructive in one way or another to us or others. So, although I would not generally classify myself as a scoffer, I have in my pride scoffed against the wise advice of others. Anybody else in the house this morning? Can I get a witness, right? So, let's look at these three. First, we have the simple. The simple. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? Uh, the Hebrew word here speaks of ignorance or naivety. Okay? And, and, and you get the sense that they're not just talking about someone who's, who's, who's maybe not intelligent. The key here is that they love. How long will you love being simple? How, how, people who love being in the dark about certain things. It's, it's ignorance by choice is what we're talking about here. A preference not to gain knowledge. Why? Because with knowledge comes a certain amount of responsibility and accountability, doesn't it? So I would just rather not know, right, or as uh, Rhonda used to do in our church in Ohio, she'd go, right? 
So what's going on here? Well, could be poor self-esteem. Could be fear of failure. Could be just plain laziness. I don't want to know, right? I don't want to know. So then if anything wrong happens, can't blame me. I didn't know. Now that might seem to afford a more carefree life, right? Just don't bother with the with that stuff. That's you know this and that and the other thing. But in reality, the ignorance of the simple makes them susceptible to things like poor, hasty decisions, right? Apathy, indecision, evil influence, and being taken advantage of by others. Why? Because I didn't know. All of that, right? So susceptibility to all those things, which are, could be absolutely disastrous. So again, you, or, my not, you or, or I might not be classifying ourselves as simple people. But are there situations where maybe we've decided to stick our heads in the sand, certain things, right? Um, I've seen this situation when it comes to married couples and finances. Now, um, one, one person handles it all, right? Which, which, is, which is good, right? Because one person, they, they, they might be better, my wife is better with numbers and organizing and stuff than I am. But where that's detrimental is that the other one has no clue. They don't know where anything is. They don't know what bill's coming in. They don't know how they're being paid. They don't know, and, and, and then somebody dies, right? They don't know whether there's life insurance. They don't have any of the passwords. They don't have this or that or the other thing. So then... What happens? Not only does it hurt them, right, and, and, and maybe the rest of the family, etc., but then other people jump in in these situations, can, and bilk people like this out of thousands of dollars that they didn't even know they had, taking advantage of them, right? So, um, totally in the dark. I, I, I just don't want to know. Well, we should have some basic knowledge of things or where to find things. Uh, parents uh, who just give their young kids cell phones have no idea what they're looking at, when they're looking at, who they're talking to, that kind of thing. Just don't want to know. Why? Well, I don't want to make waves. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to spoil their self-esteem. I don't want to have to be doing this or that or the other thing, right? Um, until that child becomes hooked on pornography or running up bills on their parents' credit cards, or running off with an older person that they met online that they thought was their same age, right? Those things that are happening in our world. Why? Because things are going on on cell phones. We should never stick our heads in the sand. God makes wisdom available to us. There shouldn't be areas of our lives that we are just simple. No, we don't have to know it all, but we need to be open to hearing, having our ears open to what the Lord might want to show us, other people might want to show us. The second group of people are the scoffers. Scoffers are those who are already right. Just ask them. Right, who know it all and therefore cannot receive any input or correction. Uh, 
full of pride, they scoff at anything that doesn't fit their way of thinking or challenges what they've done or why. Scoffers scoff, right? Rather than listen with an open mind, they will tell you why they are right and you are wrong, verbally or otherwise, proving themselves right, especially if you have the time to listen for two hours because one way or another they're going to justify what they've done. Again, in my opening illustration, what was I? I was a scoffer. When Kate suggested, um, you know, that what I had done might be insufficient, how dare she, right? My pride, which was really a cover for my insecurity, oh, mo, I might be doing something wrong, right? Scoffed at the idea. How dare she challenge my ability to pack this truck? Or was she? challenging my ability or was she simply trying to give her husband some wisdom that would have saved us both a headache right yeah scoffers <sighs> third kind of people are fools fools let's say this fools are scoffers on steroids Fools will insist on their own way, their own perspective, their own course of action, even when it's been reasonably and sufficiently proven to them to be an error. They just can't be wrong regardless. Right? Um, again, their pride just won't let them. Even though deep down, deep, deep down, they know they're wrong. They, they'll never admit to it. The fool, Psalm 14, 1 says, has said in their heart, there is no God. Right? You've heard that one before. Why? Well, Romans tells us that even by the things of creation, uh, by the things that have been made, God has reasonably and sufficiently revealed himself to humankind. Man is without excuse. I don't care what anybody says, how many letters they have after their name, they know deep down there is a God. That's what God says. I have sufficiently proven it to everybody just by creation. So deny it as they might. They know there's a God. So, keep going their own way anyway. That's what God says is a fool, right? So again, you may, you are, and I may not be classified as simple or a scoffer or a fool, but can we have any of these blind spots in our lives in certain areas? Yeah, we can. Thank God, though, there is hope. There is hope. Let's look at it. Verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. To whatever degree we can be any of these things, we can always turn. Humble ourselves and receive the wisdom that the Lord has made available to us. Aren't you glad? If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. God allows you turns. That's what I'm entitling the message today. God allows you turns. Sincere you turns. We see it all throughout the scriptures, don't we? What's the word called? Repentance. Right? It's a change of mind and heart. We went this way, now we're going this way. God allows you turns. And when we do, 
Wisdom here says, I will pour out my spirit to you. Now that's a phrase that we probably uh, pick up on, say, wait a minute, that's a phrase used of God in the Bible, isn't it? Pouring out his spirit. And some take that to mean that God and wisdom here are interchangeable, that this is all speaking about God. I don't think so, personally, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that wisdom being personified as a woman where God and, and Jesus, God in general, is classified as a male uh, in the masculine sense, I think that's done purposely to separate the two. The other reason we'll see in just a minute. But there is a similarity that I believe that he's speaking to here. God pouring out his spirit, what is that? What is that? That's when the presence and power of God are manifest and people then speak and act under the Spirit's influence. Okay, God says, I'm going to pour out my Spirit. That means we're going to, God is going to manifest His presence and we're going to act and speak out of what God is doing. Okay? So in the same way, to turn at the reproof or the correction of wisdom is then to speak and act under the influence of that wisdom. Okay, that's where I think the similarity is. But verse 24 says this, Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. See, wisdom can say that. An inanimate thing, right, can say that. The advice that we didn't take can mock us when we fall into a problem, right? That wisdom mocks us. But does God mock us? No. Does God laugh at our calamity? No, it grieves his heart, right? So this is why I think this, you know, God and wisdom, there's a, there's a separation here. Because God isn't like that. Verse 28, Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. How many times when you and I have been stubborn refuse to listen to wisdom, all of a sudden we're in deep sand and now we're clamoring for wisdom. (laughs) we got to try to find some intelligent way out of this thing now, but it's too late. It's too late. We cry out, damage is done, right? Because we refused to listen at first. Because they hated knowledge, verse 29, they did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But, verse 33, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. There you have it, church. Simple, scoffer, or fool, I go any of those three places at times, right? But whoever is open to learning, open to receiving wisdom, correction, instruction, reproof, right? Especially from the Word of God. 
those people will be at ease. Why? Because wisdom is designed to help us succeed. Wisdom is designed to correct error, to help expose and strengthen weak areas, to help us avoid trouble and to prepare for the unforeseen. Wisdom is designed to help us mature, to be inwardly secure and confident. And wisdom is designed above all to lead us to love, revere, and trust the Lord. Right? That's the beginning of wisdom, right? That's the foundation for all wisdom, to lead us to Him, to love Him, to revere Him, to trust Him. And that is our best life, isn't it? That's where we dwell secure, isn't it? And that is the biggest U-turn that we will ever take. On the road to destruction, going our own way, living without God, and He allows U-turns. We hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ that He died on the cross to reconcile us to God, and we turn from the one way and give our lives to Him. We receive Him as our Lord and our Savior. That's the biggest, the best, the greatest U-turn of all. Can I ask this morning, is there anyone in the sound of my voice? You have not made that U-turn. You have not given your heart to this God who loves you so much. Let's bow our heads this morning. If that is you, you've not made that decision to trust Jesus Christ, Him who died to take not only your sin but the penalty, yours and mine, but to reconcile us that we can know this God personally and walk with Him day by day. A God who wants to give us wisdom for life, direction for life, to bring blessing and equality into our lives. He's waiting for us to open that door of our heart. Jesus said, I knock. I stand at that door and knock. If you will hear my voice and open that door, I will come in. Have you opened that door to Jesus? If not, let me urge you to do that even now. Do you hear him knocking? Just say, Jesus, it's time. I'm done going my own way. I want to open that door. I want to let you in. I want to know you, the God who created me. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to know this wisdom that the pastor's talking about. I want to know this new life that he's talking about today. So Lord, I do, I bring you all of my sin, all my mistakes, all the junk of my past, and I throw it at your feet. And I ask you to save me from it all. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for your taking all of that that I might be reconciled to God. And I come humbly an open heart to you. Be my Savior and Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, please let me know. Get a hold of me. We'd love to answer questions and put a Bible in your hands and, and just uh, love up on you and show you really the beginning of this best life for you.